With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are now listening to the NYYST Podcast. Welcome back. This is episode 205 of the NYYST podcast. I am your host, Christian, and it's that guy, Rye. What up? No slick editing. Chris is not here this yeah. week. Uh, I believe he was seen out in his backyard with a tinfoil hat waiting for ET to arrive. Uh, yeah, I cannot he- confirm nor deny that because I haven't really talked to him that much this week, but that's what I had heard. That's the rumor. You know, sources season trademark. That's yeah, we got Yeah, we'll 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 update you guys as as the show goes on. But that's that's where it stands uh, at the moment with Chris Junior. Uh, but how how we doing today, Christian? Not bad. It. Uh, I know you're only probably about like uh, ten minutes from me. It's very windy in my uh, my neck of the woods. Very wind windy chill. Uh, so I hope that uh, our connection stays strong through the uh, recording session here we're recording it's almost noon on sunday uh we're a day away from the winter meeting starting um virtual this year virtual everything's virtual this year so what do they do have you ever used zoom because i've been using zoom for work and like, they have they have my these first things inter- yeah, go ahead go ahead no my first introduction to zoom was when we did the show remotely and then i had like one or two conference calls on it they have these things called like breakout rooms where you um you're in one room and break down and you you get you 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 break out and you go and you create your own group within the group like what are they gonna do like are they gonna fucking are they gonna put gms in a fucking breakout room together and yeah i don't know because they have to negotiate contracts like it's gonna be it's it's very very unique winter meetings Yeah, I mean, the winter meetings is where a lot of the groundwork is laid for what you're going to be doing uh, during the course of the year. You know, we're at a point in the Yankees offseason here and really in their, I guess, if you want to say evolution as a team, uh, considering where we were in 2016 to now, where they have a lot of question marks that you didn't really think that they were going to have heading into the 2021 season. And before we go any further, please... uh, Go to iTunes, rate and uh, five star rating and review, please. Before we forget, we don't want to uh, drop that in on the end of the show there. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. and please, you know, I'm sure Chris, uh, he, Chris is still around. He's going to do a little post production on the show. I'm sure he's going to enter the ad in somewhere. But it, you know, I just want to say, please go, go to manscape.com. You know, use our code NYYST20. I know you hear that code everywhere. Not our code. I know you hear Manscape. Uh, promote it everywhere, every big podcaster. It's even being promoted on WFAN. Yeah, you can use their codes. That's you're going to get the same exact discount you're going to get when you use us. But you got to understand who are you going to help more? Yeah. Joe Rogan, 
you know, uh, the Conrad Thompson family, the podcast, WFAN, a big conglomerate. Entercom, yeah. Are you going to help Entercom? Or, or are you us, help? NYYST, three guys, two brothers, bunch, you know, yeah. three best friends here. You know, who are you going to help more when you uh, when you uh, go to manscaped.com? And, and we're not crying poor. We're just saying no. you, we want to we want to give you the best quality content you want the best quality content and we need to grow this as a as a business and we are we yeah. love manscape we we're so happy that they're on board as a sponsor but to continue you know like anything else they need to see results and you know i'm saying like you can use the wfan code but you know, what's going to happen to wfan if manscape doesn't uh yeah doesn't uh continue to sponsor them i'm not saying we're going anywhere i'm just saying you will help us grow you will help us grow and be that, you know, to be able to give you the type of content that you want, at a, especially at a more regular basis. So we're just saying, you know, it's the holidays. Everybody needs to shave their balls. So uh, go to manscaped.com, N-Y-Y-S-T-20. Please use the code. Um, so anything else? The show's on YouTube. I don't know if it will be this week, but if it is, if it's not, still yeah, he subscribe. Might, he might even put out like an audio version on YouTube if, if he's not pulling uh, the video this week. So if uh, just go to the show, subscribe, uh, go to youtube.com and subscribe to the show there as well. Uh, so where were we? <clears throat> I'm in I'm, I'm, meetings. Really, I'm really digging that whitey Ford picture. I need some more old school stuff in my man cave. Yeah, like, I, really I, like I love old this. school stuff. I have a Mickey Mantle uh, plaque up here, but it's like a it's like an enlarged tops card. You know what I want to get to this picture? You know, it's whitey Ford throwing. I want yeah. to put on my wall right here. See where I'm pointing? I yeah. want to put a, get a picture like an old-timer swinging or something so it looks like it's Ford throwing to him, you know, get yeah. a whole little setup going, a yeah, little yeah, cool yeah. little uh, retro thing. So we but, can definitely you know, break. That one picture doesn't compete with your fucking man cave setup, though. That's, yeah, I got, that, I, got some other, I got some other things that I ordered that I haven't been able to put up yet just because I've been busy. Um yeah, you really got to show that stuff up off on your camera, dude. You gotta, you gotta like get a nice. Well, you can see going. over here. You can see the pops up there. Yeah, you can see part of the rocky wall, uh, and that's pretty just based on where I'm sitting. You can see the bookshelf over there, which has got other shit on it. Um, I actually got a swatch, a ring swatch from uh, Rocky Balboa. I bought Ooh. that. Yeah, I gotta a, get that a ring swatch. Yeah, they call it, you know when they cut the the ring canvas up, they call it a swatch. Oh, gotcha, I gotta get. Gotcha. I gotta get that framed. I don't want to just put that up the way I have it. So oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> you want to break down the NFC East today? Since Chris is not here, we Fuck can talk. Yeah, dude, football. I'm down. I mean, <laughs> well, actually, you know, I'm. It's it's winner. I'm out in fantasy this week for. It's basically my playoff start today, and you know, I drafted um, Mike Evans and fucking Chris Godwin. I went heavy on tampa bay and of course like i was like oh, it won't matter when they have their bye week it that tampa bay has their bye week this week so it's kind of like that may have not been the best strategy they, but that was always their bye week if that's a COVID move because that seems kind of late in the season i think it was i think it was um i know it was scheduled for late in the season i don't know if it was this late though you're right it is kind of fucking it is late oh. you know <clears throat> And we've talked about this on the show before about, you know, about me being into football this year. And I finally, like the last couple of weeks, like really into the giant season. And Colt McCoy's fucking starting today. I know. 
I know that that really sucks too because it's like it's just another thing that Giants fans have to deal with. Like they finally are starting to get your hopes up. What they're on a four game winning streak, and now now their quarterback's out. So it's like just when they start getting some momentum. But like you said, I, I mean, think before it, we started, the NFC East is losing outright today. There, there's. Let's not get it twisted. The Giants are four and seven. I, I really don't think that this is like a Super Bowl team or even a team that could win a playoff game. But just the fact that we're sitting here, December sixth, and the Giants are playing a, a meaningful football for the rest of the yeah. season. I mean, come on. You, as a Giant matters. fan, you have to take that. Absolutely. Record record doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you're still relevant you're you still see able the, to watch as, the games and you see improvement like would you rather yeah. be a giant fan or a jet fan like the jets uh, like I'm not even close i dude. mean jesus christ dude you want to talk about train wrecks i mean maybe maybe in a year that question is becomes more difficult to answer if they end up signing if they go with trevor lawrence and he ends up panning out but it's like them but like you still don't have an offensive line you still don't have anybody to throw to you still don't have a running back. It's like still, you're gonna have to get a new coach. That's why I kind of disagreed with the with the Giants, especially you're seeing so many like young running backs come out of nowhere with with Saquon Barkley drafting. And look at so how early. much the better the Giants have run the ball with Wayne. I know, Ballman. and they're actually. And I'm not saying. No. I'm not saying that that's a knock on Barkley. I'm just saying that the Giants have been really productive running the ball with Wayne Gallman. Right. I don't running yeah. the ball. I don't think so. it's necessarily a knock on Barkley as much as it's a knock on drafting a running back so early when yeah, you had so many other needs I and agree. it looks like it looks like that you know you could have maybe drafted a, a second or third rounder um, if Barkley would have been the transcendent talent that we thought he was after his rookie year I mean you can't really knock it but no, he's been I, hurt I the last two years Dude, and he was, yeah, he's he was he's he's a fucking beast so wait they started 0 and 7 no the Giants they were 1 and 7 they won their last 3 oh it was 3 3 yeah yeah, but that, going back to what you were saying about Lawrence, and we will get into the Yankees. Chris is not here today, so we can, and there's not really a lot of news it's going off-season. on. So we will break down a few things. Uh, so it is a football Sunday, so any, you know we'll talk just in a couple minutes here um, about Lawrence, man. Like when the Giants were one and seven, and people were like tank, 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 and I'm like, for what do you? And, and yeah, the, the, are. Are there still question marks about Daniel Jones? Obviously, like, but he's played a lot better the last couple of weeks. He hasn't turned the ball over. The Giants have won. So you see, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a simple equation here: no turnovers, win. Right. right. But do you really want to go through it again, again to go and have to get another quarterback two years after you drafted your supposed franchise quarterback? That's why. Yeah, do I think Sam Darnold can be a decent uh, to good starter in this league? Yeah, it's not going to work with the Jets, obviously. But again, but as a Jeff fan, you thought you had your savior. You thought you had your hope, but two, three years ago, and now you got to do it again. This is what I don't like. This is why I'm so hesitant, and we'll turn it back to the Yankees, of wanting to fire Boone, wanting to fire Cashman. You need consistency in certain roles in in sports. General manager, manager, head coach, and the NFL quarterback, you need consistency in certain spots. And you got to give it time to grow. You don't want to waste too much time. And I understand that things move a lot faster these days than they did back in, you know, the even maybe 10, 15 years ago. But do you want to be switching coaches, managers every two, three years? Do you want to have it bring in a new, quote, franchise quarterback every two to three years? Or do you want to give somebody a chance to see if maybe the first couple of years are growing into the position, they're growing into the job, you know? That's why 
you got to look at Aaron Boone. How are you going to fire a guy that won 203 games in his first two manager, uh, two first two seasons as a major league manager? How are you going to fire a guy off of that? I mean, it's tough because it's like then are you who are you replacing him with, and how much better is that person even going to be? Because 100 wins two years in a row is it's it's pretty hard to replicate. Right, and and this ties into something that happened earlier this week is that uh, Brian Cashman did his annual charity thing where he scales a a build a building, he climbs a building or whatever the yeah. hell he does, yeah, and I Boone <laughs> and Boone was actually with him this year. Boone climbed the building with him. Wow! So everybody in uh, in the media and you know fans started having a conniption because while climbing a building next to Aaron Boone. Uh, Brian Cashman said, I would like to have another 10 years with Aaron Boone. Man, maybe they had a nice heart-to-heart on top of a mountain or something, and that like changed everything. Look, dude, and this is what I tweeted, paraphrasing what I tweeted earlier this week, is what do you want Brian Cashman to say? He's climbing a fucking building with this guy. Did you think he was going to say anything other than, yeah, I want this guy to be my manager for the next 10 years or whatever? Did you want to say, did you want him to say, Oh, I hope he fucking falls so I can get a new manager. Or did you want him to be like, or even not even anything that extreme to to say, oh, you know, we'll just wait and take a wait and see approach, see how the season goes. Of course, he's gonna give the guy a vote of confidence. They're climbing a fucking skyscraper together. I don't think it really means a lot in the long run to be if you really wanna if you wanna put it like that. I don't think what Brian Cashman said, repelling on the side of a building next to Aaron Boone, really is a statement one way or another on Boone's job security. And and somebody pointed this out on Twitter to me when I, when I tweeted it. You want Aaron Boone here for another 10 years because the last two managers that were here for over a decade, Joe Torre and Joe Girardi, what do they have in common? World Series winners. World Series winners, right? So <laughs> uh, if Aaron Boone's here for another 10 years, I'm going to – take a leap of faith and say somewhere along the way, the Yankees have won a world series with the guy. Yeah. I mean, that just speaks to, to like Aaron Boone's personality because it seems like he, a big part of why he got the job was just how he present presents himself. He's, he seems to be very well liked by this organization and that, and that's just a testament to that. You wouldn't say you want a guy for 10 more years. You certainly wouldn't be climbing the building with the guy. Him. Right. Yeah. You definitely <laughs> wouldn't be doing that. Wouldn't be doing that. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we know why Boone got the job. And I hate using the term puppet because I think it demeans what Aaron Boone does. Mm-hmm. But we know why Aaron Boone is here. Aaron Boone, is, and we've said this a dozen times, and you know we'll talk about it again here. Aaron Boone is here because he said the things that Brian Cashman wanted to hear on how he wants to run the Yankees. That's why Boone is here. And Boone is a likable guy. He's got a great personality. He knows how to run the room. And that those are all factors of why he's here. So I, I think and and again, the term puppet, I hate I really hate it because I think it, it really does demean what Boone does. I think I think and and it and it goes to state what Major League Baseball is now. That maybe the role of the manager isn't as great as it was back even when Joe Girardi was here. You know? So you it's need guys like like British royalty in a way, like with their with with the queen, like it's just a figurehead. It's somebody that represents the country. Like the manager in baseball is someone who's representing the team. It's the spokesman almost now, right? I, for the yes. team, when Brian Cashman doesn't want to op- 
say something. That's what Aaron Boone is there to do, to talk to the media, talk to the players. You know, I don't think that, you know, do, do the Yankees go into a game, especially a big game, especially a postseason game with the plan? Yeah, I'm sure that they do. We, I mean, game two of the American League Division yeah. Series, uh, uh, you know, case in point right there. But, you know, is Brian Cashman calling down in the seventh inning, telling Aaron Boone, uh, Garrett Cole looks tired. Maybe you should warm up uh, Chad yeah. Green. Yeah. No, he's not He's not doing that. So I think the, those type of things are left up to Aaron Boone. If you want to critique how he does that stuff, I think that's more than fair. But to, but to say that overall, the way that the Yankees are run, Aaron Boone has a heavy hand in that, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think maybe if you want to say it's collaborative, it's collaborative. That, that's the cute buzzword everybody uses, and, it, and that's probably what it is. But do I think that, again, do I think that Cashman's calling down every day telling Boone that he has to, you know, write the lineup out a certain way? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's they're in agreement in a lot of things, especially like, you know, let's say Boone still is old school in that way where he believes that your best hitter hits third, but Cash is like, mm. no, I think Judge should be the two hitter. I'm sure the yeah. two of them, I'm sure the two of them have a discussion about that, and you know maybe Cashman won out because. But I, I don't want to say it that way because you know Gir- uh, Girardi was batting Judge second, so it, it goes. You know, pre boom, but I'm just saying as an example, you know. Yeah, no, maybe it's maybe certain things they they lean towards what Cashman wants. Certain things maybe they go with what Boone wants, and you know they come to some sort of agreement. But we don't know, right? We don't know what they're what how they make their decisions. We 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 just have what is presented, and the the narrative is always you know the the that buzzword puppet. But you know, what do we know? Uh, what we do know is that um <clears throat> and I'm going to I'm going to plug this right now uh any rocky fans out there I know uh <clears throat> you guys know how big of a fan I am uh I did the Sylvester Stallone movie tournament back in March and I've wanted to follow it up with another rocky type uh bracket challenge on Twitter and I finally came up with it yesterday I came up with a 1 through 16 seeding of Rocky characters, not including Rocky himself, because obviously he'd like win. Um, who's, the, who's the one seed in that? Nick? Adrian. Adrian's the one. I Adrian, like she, that. Okay. Yeah, she, she's got to be, dude. I, don't know, I couldn't think of anybody else. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually a great uh, little tourney you got going there. That's an so, interesting one, because that's a toss-up. Yeah, so right now, as we're talking here uh, Sunday afternoon, the first two matchups are up, and then I'll post two more Sunday evening. So half of the uh, half, of, oh, the, the first four, uh, half, whatever. My math skills suck. They'll be up by the time you listen to the pod on Monday morning. So if you're a Rocky fan, check that out, at Christian underscore NYYST. Retweet. Hey, let's have a little fun with that. And I want to give a – I meant to do this last week, and I want to give a plug to my buddy here. On Twitter, uh, let me just bring it up here. At Joe underscore Maniello, M-A-N-N-I-E-L-L-O. Uh, Joe is the headline writer for the New York uh, New York Newsday. I yeah, Newsday, right? Newsday, yes. Uh, well, <clears throat> how it's relevant to you right now is Joe has become the king of the Twitter brackets. Uh, he he's done a ton of them. A lot of them I've taken part in. 
Some of them I don't because it's just out of my area of expertise. I'm not going to vote on stuff that I don't know about. But right now, Joe is running the uh, the field of 64 for the best Christmas song ever. Wow. So I think I go with the, just a Christmas song. Yeah. I think that's Chestnuts. Let me, you want to, I'll bring, I'll just, just give Joe a little quick pop here. Well, I'm going to give you the, uh, the, the four number one seeds on his okay. uh, tournament here. I'm saying Mariah Carey's probably number a one. Uh, a White Christmas with Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mariah, all I want for Christmas is you. Uh, the, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. That's, yeah, that's, and Jingle that's Bells by Frank Sinatra. That's, so a, the that's interesting, a solid top four. So the, the interesting thing about Joe's tournament is that we know Christmas songs that – you take a you take a song and there could be fourteen hundred covers for it, all by well known artists. So, will people vote for just whether or not they like the song, or will people vote for whether or not they like that artist version of the song? Very true, great point. But for me, I'm voting Mariah all the way through. Yeah, Mariah's. You know, that's just a classic. And I was thinking about I was thinking about that when it played the other day. How much money she must be making off of that song? Because you know, you think of a Christmas song, you think of Jingle Bells. Like they don't own the rights to that song. But I'm pretty sure. What I don't even what what song is what's her song even called? All I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, like that's her that's her song. So she's probably making bank from that. Yeah, I mean, I wish I was known for uh, you know Mariah Carey is. I, I understand. She's kind of went crazy, if you want to say that. Yeah, yeah. In, in the yeah. later years, but as a as a as a singer, she's got her legacy that no one can touch. But she's going to be remembered for that song. I'm, no matter what she, yeah. no matter what she's done or what she will do, or um, you, you think Jeter smirks every time he, that song comes on? You think he pops? You know, he gets a little pop pop in his yeah, pants, just just like a little smirk. <laughs> you think she sang that to him when they were dating? Maybe she recorded it. I don't know. That song came out a little bit earlier than their relationship. I think that song's uh, from like the early nineties. Maybe he inspired it. Maybe she. Maybe he's all he she wants for Christmas. She saw him as a minor leaguer and wrote the song. And then yeah. she's like, "If you ever make it big, I'll, I'll call you." <laughs> oh man, what a gig! You have the most popular Christmas song, and once a year, you just make so much money. And there's a lot of covers of it too, and some of them are good, some of them are bad. But yeah, I mean, a nothing. Tough one. When, no, that's hers. That's 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 Mariah Carey. No, there is. Uh, okay. Definitely. Okay. All right. You shouldn't. Okay. You, you can't cover all I want for Christmas. Okay. When when someone has as a superior a voice. Okay. As Mariah Carey. Okay. You, you don't touch it. Okay. Just don't touch it. Uh huh. Uh huh. And that's uh, how Mike feels. And speaking of Derek Jeter, because we failed to mention this uh, a couple weeks ago when it happened, the Miami Marlins have hired the first female general manager in the history of Major League Baseball, uh, Kim Ng, I believe is how you say her last name. It's just NG. I believe it said Ng. Uh, you, as a Yankee fan, might remember that name because she was Brian Cashman's assistant GM for a, for a long time. Uh, Yankees have, you know, think very highly of her. Um and I'm very, very happy that she got the job. I think it's way past due that she got the job because if you look at her resume, uh, she should have gotten a general manager job a long time ago. And it's mm-hmm. sad that because – and I hate to play this card because it's, it's played out, but it's kind of true. If she was a man 
with that resume, she would have had a general manager job a long time ago. So, you I know, agree. you know, hats off to Derek Jeter and the Marlins for hiring her. Really, really qualified. Uh, you know, I mean, she left the Yankees probably 2011-ish, I want to say. Who's to say that if Brian Cashman didn't, you know, cement himself there the way he did that they wouldn't have hired her. They, she was held in very high regard. I believe she's also worked for the Dodgers. Uh, I think she just can't. I think her last job was in Joe Torre's office. So, I mean, you know, this woman's got great respect across Major League Baseball. So just, you know, it, it, very interested in seeing how she, she's going to do. But, I mean, if you just take the name off and look at the resume, there's no reason to think that she's going to be anything other than a great general manager. So congratulations to Kim Ng and the Miami Marlins on that hire there. Yeah, Miami Marlins, man, they, they their image like rapidly turned around because I mean Jeter, the owner, I guess you know front office guy was kind of he kind of started out like in, in a weird spot where it was like A Rod was kind of looking more like the post career guy that was going to be you know more well liked, but this year it kind of it looks like it's shifting for the Miami Marlins. I mean they had the manager of the year, they made the playoffs. A, a, a nice hire it's it's i think i think the marlins are on the upswing right yeah they have anybody that we could trade for we could send like um there's a know. pitcher that they have but we I could think of his we'll, name we'll just you know maybe brian can call in a favor from their days working together yeah well <laughs> that was supposed to be john carlos stanton but yeah but no he called like in a favor might have uh, i like sandy well, alcantara Excuse me, we're going to actually talk about that in a few minutes, but what I was actually looking up here before I get sidetracked, uh, before when I got sidetracked was, um, it was Wednesday, right? It was a non-tender deadline? Yes. So, um, the big one, obviously, is that we didn't hear any contract terms, which means that they probably didn't come to an agreement, but the Yankees did tender a contract to, to uh, Gary Sanchez, um, so that's probably going to go to arbitration or at least there's still in negotiations on what the contract will be for 2021. Uh, anybody that honestly, anybody that real, really look realistically thought the Yankees were going to non-tender Gary Sanchez. I, I don't think they pay attention. No, I, it's just, yeah, that's all. That's all. I'm not, I'm not going to add to that. I agree. And Gary, uh, the last, I think it was Friday night. Gary debuted in the Dominican Winter League. He had a little bit of a rough night. I think he went one for five with three strikeouts. One of the strikeouts was against Yankee uh, prospect Albert Abreu. Okay. And then, uh, and then naturally the next day, uh, Gary back. struggled. You know, and then naturally the next day the headlines are Gary Cold in Dominican Winter League. And it's like it's one game. It's one game. And then you wonder why Aaron Boone has to go out of his way to say things like. There's unfair criticism of Gary Sanchez. When you go on Twitter and you see a headline from SNY writing a column about how Gary's been terrible in the Dominican Winter League, and then you read that he's had five at-bats in one game, then you really have to sit there and, and question why Aaron Boone has to stick up for Gary Sanchez. But then yesterday, Gary hit a, a bomb, big home run for Gary. So, he's again, the fat and lazy narrative, the guy, a guy like Gary Sanchez, let's be realistic. There's not many guys with Gary Sanchez's resume and granted what he did in later half of 2019 and 2020, notwithstanding, you still look at the full resume. 
there's not many guys like that that are going to go down there and play winter ball. So you got to give mm-hmm. Gary credit for putting in the extra work. You have to. I'm sorry. 100%. No, 100%. That's all you could ask out of him, and that's actually more than you'd, you'd necessarily even expect. So good for him trying to figure things out and get those get the work in. Hopefully it works out, man. So we did hear from uh, – we heard on three players, the Yankees and um, – Luis Sessa agreed to a $1.05 million deal for 2021. Not really surprising there. I think the Yankees like Sessa's versatility. And Sessa's a guy that, and I've been guilty of it too, that fans are a little bit harder on than they probably should be. I think if we slot Luis Sessa properly, I think he does a good job. I think for what his role should be, he's, he's one of the best long relievers that 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 mop-up guy I mean you look at his numbers from the last two years really he's been pretty decent last year 2020 16 games posted a 3.32 earned run average you'll take that and then look at look at 2019 like this is what I'm talking about he pitched in 43 games he posted a 4.11 earned run average like that's from Luis you'll take that any day from a guy whose role is uh, that of Luis Cessas Right. I think we I think as fans sometimes we expect too much out of Sessa. I think if yes. we slot Sessa properly, I think he does a good job. Honestly. I don't think that the Yankees should ever trust Luis Sessa to get big outs in a game. Like mm-hmm. to to sit there and say, Oh, he can be a setup guy, seventh inning guy. Uh if you need somebody to bridge, you know, a starter gives you a short outing, you need somebody to bridge the middle innings or to you know, you're up you're up four or five or you're down four or five. You need somebody to kind of keep it right there in the, you know, mid to late innings at that point. Yeah. Sess is a good, a good option for that. But to, to sit there and want Luis Sessa to be more than that is foolhardy. And I think that we, at this point in Sessa's career with the Yankees, I think we should all realize that. And then, and then we would have a better appreciation or understanding for uh, Luis Sessa. Yeah, I agree. Also, the Yankees came to terms on a contract with uh, Ben Heller. We did not see the numbers on that. I'm, I'm very happy that Heller's back. It's is it a little bit of a personal bias. Yeah, it's a little bit of a personal bias. We've had Ben on the show, and then I interviewed him uh, a second time when we did our 10 Questions in Quarantine uh, series. So we have a little bit of a relationship with Ben. Chris has talked to him. Actually, when uh, with the, remember when Ben got thrown out for – Right, we got an exclusive quote from Ben there, so we do have a bit of a relationship with Ben Heller. So, uh, who's that against Tampa Bay? Right, that was it had like, to be against Tampa yeah, Bay. Who the fuck else would it have been against? Yeah, yep. Uh, so we do have a little. So yeah, personally, do are we happy that Ben's back? Yeah, I think Ben's biggest enemy has always been staying healthy. He just came off a of Tommy John surgery, and then he didn't. He got hurt again in 2020. I think. Ben, if Ben Heller can stay healthy, we've seen he's got good enough stuff to be a a solid member of the bullpen. And I don't want to uh, overstate Ben Heller and say that he could, you know, take Tommy Canely's spot, but you need guys to fill in those innings before you get to the back end of the pen that you can sort of rely on. And I think Heller can fill that role. So as long as he's healthy, I'm I'm glad that, that Heller's back. Somebody that won't be back, and this is the third. Uh, move that we heard about is the Yankees non-tender Jonathan Holder, which came as a bit of a surprise. Kind of surprised, to me. yeah. That that's a guy too, man. I could see being like, who's that pitcher? I think it was um, 
Kirby Yates, was it? Was he on the Yankees, right? Yeah, he was, and he stunk. He was terrible. He stunk with the Yankees, but then he went and became the closer for the Padres, right? Yeah, he did. He was phenomenal. And now he's an elite pitcher. Like, I could see Jonathan Holder being one of those guys that leaves the Yankees, and he goes and makes a name for himself somewhere else. Well, do you know who loves Jonathan Holder? Who's that? Analytics! Analytics! Jonathan Holder is an analytics darling. Um, Oh, shit. What? Nothing. I'm just saying that. Oh, that, there's something happening outside. No, no, we're good, bro. <laughs> so you leaning that way. There's something happening outside your window over there. No, um, Jonathan Holder is an analytics darling. Okay, so somebody's going to scoop him up and work with what he has. I think. Look, dude, uh, he's going to go to Oakland, man. I don't want to dive into fucking analytics. I really don't. Um, I had some actually uh, some stats written down for catchers, which I wanted to bring up, but I left them in the car and I'm not going outside to get them. So I don't forget that uh, about catching analytics when they were bringing up because they were talking about uh, McCann and Real Muto, which uh, we'll talk about in just a quick second. But if you look at Holder's numbers from last year, he had one really bad outing that kind of skewed his uh, his numbers from last year. So I don't know. Holder's another money either. So Holder's one of those guys again that if you, but I think he's got a bigger upside than Sessa, where if you slot him properly, you can get the best usage out of him. And occasionally you can count on him to get a big out somewhere. I wouldn't rely on him too heavily to do so, but we've seen where Holder has stepped up to get big outs. And then we've seen him where you rely on him too heavily to get big outs. And then the Yankees are leading. Uh, say seven to five, and all of a sudden they're losing thirteen to seven. So, <laughs> yeah, that and that one game you're talking about, that clunker was he, he allowed four earned runs in one third of an inning against Toronto. Was that the, the ten last, run inning? Yes, they lost that. Oh, no, no, that was a different game. That was a different one. I think that was Ottavino who gave up all those runs. They ended up yeah, actually winning that game ten to seven. Oh, oh, did they? Yeah, but I mean, outside of that, I mean, he had one other. Um, outing where he allowed three or actually, all right. So look at this, right? He besides these two outings, which September seventeenth and September twentieth, the last two of his last three, he allowed four earned runs and three earned runs. So seven earned runs of his twelve of the, came in the his last season two appearances. came in two of his last three appearances. Actually, he had then allowed another run in his final appearance. So he allowed eight runs in his uh, last three appearances, 12 altogether on the seasons. So, yeah, man, he really didn't – he had a, a decent year last year, especially you take away those – obviously you can't take them away, but, you know, that's only four and a third innings, four and a third really bad innings for Jonathan Holder this year. Yeah, and the thing with Holder, though, is that we talk about the Yankees being short in the bullpen, and we've seen a guy that's been pretty reliable for them, even though he's had his ups and downs. Even I think he got he got sent down in 2019, right? To get right, it was so yeah, bad. I think it was 2019. I just I was just surprised by it because of what are you really going to pay Jonathan Holder for the type of production that you're going to get for him? So I'm guessing the Yankees think that they have guys in in Triple uh, A that can fill that role. So. I mean, are we again? This is this is what scares me about the Yankees this offseason that they're seemingly that poor that they would probably need to save what? What would Holder make? A million and a half, two yes. million bucks? Yes. That they need to save one, $1. $1.5 million by non tendering 
Jonathan Holder to let, you know, to bring up a, you know, whoever down in the minor leagues, you know, a Brooks Krisky fucking guy or some yeah. shit or, or, or a Nick Nelson. Like, are we that, are the Yankees that poor? If, I mean, if that's, that's what's, if that's the move behind it, then, you know, that that's really, really not good. I mean, what else, what other reason would you see that the Yankees wouldn't bring back Jonathan Holder? I don't want to make a big deal out of Jonathan Holder, but honestly, my only thing would be clearing up like that million dollars and then, you know, adding it all together so they can they can find a new arm in free agency. I mean, there's a few arms out there that are available, but not not really for a million dollars. At that point, we're going to talk gonna about stay the, in the organization. We're going to talk about the non-tender list outside of the Yankees in a minute. But before I forget, uh, I want to go to some uh, Twitter questions here that we have. Normally we save this for the end of the show, but I'm just going to do it now because I want to end the show with the poll that I ran and talk about that. Um, at Air Tulu 21 wants to know our favorite prospect that nobody's talking about. And I'm going to say this as respectfully as I can. I don't fucking care. <laughs> well, <laughs> Let me th- let me think for a second. There is, I think it's not Deglin. I think it's Siegler is the catcher that's ambidextrous, right? Is it him? I I'm just gonna I'm just gonna look at this up for one second. I think it's Anthony Siegler's. He's a catcher and a pitcher, and he could throw with both arms and could uh, hit. He's a switch hitter as well. Uh, let me see if I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, Yankees draft ambidextrous Anthony Siegler. That would be for me the guy worth worth like keeping an eye on that maybe isn't being talked about because you know that that could be in my my opinion the future of the sport. Those like those you know an ambidextrous type or a, a super utility guy like a, a like a Shohei Otani type of player being the future of the sport. So you know it's good. It, that's that's the kind of player to really keep an eye on. But outside of that, man, I, I really don't follow i at all the yankees minor league system no if somebody like remember chris crelly was on the show a bunch of times he used to write when he was writing now he's uh running a i believe he's running a gym down in north carolina so uh hope that's going well for him um but he used to you know do blogs about the minor league reports and if somebody that i ever liked you know there was a writer that i liked that would write something about the minor leaguers i would read it just to you know get educated on a little bit, but it's not something I do a deep dive on. Um, And honestly, like we've talked about this a lot in the recent weeks, prospects are prospects. I don't really get too excited over them unless you really start hearing that they're ready, that they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. Like when we started hearing about Davey Garcia being close to being ready is when I really started paying attention to Davey Garcia or now that we've seen Clark Schmidt up here or when we knew that Aaron Judge was getting ready to come up. And, you know, obviously Tyler Austin uh, fizzled out. But when we knew these guys were getting ready, and Glaber Torres, super prospect, the 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 main piece to uh, a role as Chapman, and then when the Yankees were getting ready to bring him up. When you start hearing that type of buzz is when I'll start really paying mm-hmm. attention to these guys. Like, like guys that are playing, like, low-A ball or even double-A ball – yeah, what what does that really mean? What does that really mean to me? Because really, my focus is is getting is watching this team, studying this team, the major league team, and the guys that are right on that fringe there. Right. 
So if nobody's really yeah. talking about it, he's definitely not on my radar. I'm sorry. It's just, you can call and me out different. for that or it's whatever. But you, that's... Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's just it's different when you root for a team like the Yankees, a team that it's it's kind of like World Series or bust at this point. So it's it's like you're not going to really dive too deep um, when you're trying to win now. I mean, if, if we were rooting for the Royals, I would probably know more about the future of the team. But, you know, usually the Yankees operate in, in a win now mode. And that is kind of like it, it defeats the purpose of following these prospects, because who knows if they're even going to don those yeah pennies. i mean everybody's got a hard on for jason dominguez right now but what, again what is that kid oh yeah i'm I'm, what, what I, 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 I'm stiff for it i'm stiff i'm stiff but what, excuse me well, what does that kid mean to me right now right exactly is he gonna help the yankees win a world so series in 2021 no i think maybe 2022 earliest but if he wins if he helps the yankees win a world series in 2021 in my mind he got traded for somebody the team needs <laughs> that's yeah so like yeah that's it then the prospects worth looking into it's only to see who we could trade them for to for someone that could help the team win right now and you brought this up you're big on the max scherzer train if washington big, calls big, big. up the yankees and say we will do jason dominguez and a, some fringe bullshit for max scherzer brian cashman better get that fucking kid's bags packed before uh the washington gm can change his mind on that because oh, honestly man, that is what it'll take honestly i know people will think that's that's crazy but go into october with garrett cole and max scherzer one two and hopefully and maybe a healthy luis severino go into october yeah. with that and tell me if you really give a shit about jason dominguez because i will sell that kid for two months of scherzer in a world series in 2021 i will do that 100%. because what the where the yankees are right now is they have to win they're win now. They can't be worried about what Jason Dominguez is going to be in two or three years. I'm sorry. That's just the way I feel. No, if the Yankees had won in 19 or had won this year and they wanted to hold on to Dominguez as, for 2024, 2025, I would probably be more inclined to do it. But if I got a if I got somebody like Max Scherzer on the line for Jason Dominguez, that I would guarantee I would almost stop short of guaranteeing the Yankees would win the World Series with Scherzer and Cole. I'm doing it. I'm sorry. That's just me. I mean, right, that's, also, that's why you make those moves. If if you if you get a ring, if you get a ring out of it, then that's the the move worth making. Was the Chapman for Torres move worth it for the Cubs right. in the end? Yeah, they won. All right, our boy Arby Beltran, a Beltran, nineteen ninety three, wants a shout out. So there's a shout out, brother. But he also says, right. if for whatever reason the Yankees don't re-sign DJ, should the Yankees go all in for trading Lindor and move Glaber back to second base? I think we've said that before and we'll just reiterate if Francisco Lindor is still on the Cleveland Indians when God forbid DJ LeMayu signs with another team Brian Cashman as soon as he gets the call that DJ's put pen to paper for another ball club should be on the phone with uh, Chernoff Fountain Cleveland making a deal for Francisco Lindor that should be his follow up yeah, because I mean, how are you going to sell to this tough. fan base that you let our best player last two seasons go somewhere else, and you're not going to bring in a superstar like Lindor. You can't sell that to me. I'm sorry. No, you can't. And I, I mean, I don't necessarily think it would cost you an arm and a leg for Lindor because financially, this is his last year, he's not going to. Yeah, financially in the long term, it will. But if you're trading for a guy, then you're renting him 
for this season, right? But with the thing with do I look at it differently with Scherzer versus Lindor? Scherzer I take as a rental because he's yeah, there to sure. put you over the top to Definitely. win this year. Lindor is here because you didn't get DJ LeMay, who would have been your second baseman for the next four or five right. years. So then are, you, are you saying then you're going to sign? Lindor I have long-term? to because then who is going to be my second baseman slash and or shortstop the next handful of years? I'm bringing in Lindor to replace DJ LeMay. So I don't want to go back out into the free agent market next year when I already got this guy in my building and I traded assets for him. Right. And then too though but if you can't re-sign him you would still have francisco lindor for the 2021 season too so it's you know you, right which you i don't necessarily but yeah did, obviously then, you would grab him with the hopes of signing him long term yes imagine. uh i just want i'm on i'm on the wrong fucking website i wanted to look up something with michael brantley and i'm on imdb for some fucking reason uh, i'm i'm a big imdb guy so that, that was boy. that was the first website i ever used I'll never forget. I think I looked up Nicolas Cage. Wasn't Pornhub? No, Pornhub was not a thing yet. It wasn't a thing yet. Uh-huh. No, I was, uh, I was, still, I was going dial up. <laughs> uh, RB also goes on to say, "Is if we would be okay with Michael Brantley being a Plan B if we don't get DJ." Uh, no, I wouldn't be okay with that, and I'll tell you why. I would be okay with Lindor as a backup plan for Lemayu because. They play the same position essentially because you'd be you just shift Glaber to second, yes. Lindor to shortstop, so you're still covered up the middle. Michael Brantley is a left fielder. The Yankees, and we're going to talk about this next. The Yankees don't need more corner outfielders. They don't, unless you're telling me you're trading Clint Frazier. The Yankees don't need corner outfielders. And I get it. You know, Evan Roberts has been like a goddamn hyena on on the, the radio the last three years about the Yankees getting um, Brantley because he's a left-handed hitter that puts bat on ball, bat on ball, bat on ball. And I get it. So wow, that from was a, good. That sounded like him. <laughs> I get it. From maybe an offensive point of view because right. they might replace each other, but they don't play the same position. So to me, I'm not okay with that being a plan B or even plan C if the Yankees miss out on LeMayu and or Lindor. No, because like you just said, that's not necessarily a team need right now. I'd say the team needs the way the roster is currently constructed would be a backup catcher, uh, starting pitchers. They need a, a second baseman or a middle infielder, and they need some bench depth. Out, I mean, I guess you could get a backup outfielder, but if you're getting Michael Brantley, you're starting Michael Brantley. And they don't really need a left fielder. They don't really need a starting outfielder at the moment. So that, yeah, that wouldn't be my, that's not a good plan B. I mean, would I sign Michael Brantley? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not necessarily, I don't want to say it's not realistic, but it's just, I don't know if that's the direction that this team would want to go. Well, it must be Christmas because uh, there's like a parade of delivery men outside my house right now. That's cool. Get some packet. You get some. Uh, you do some online shopping. And yeah, most of it's for the baby. Yeah, that's what it's all about. You know, we actually just got one to come in from our boy Kenny Morales at DJ Heat Forty Two. Says rumors are the Phillies are in financial crisis and will listen to uh, deals for uh, Wheeler 
I will take that deal if they tie Nola to it. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was gonna say, I was gonna say the only pitcher worth looking into for with Philly is Aaron Nola, but they're not gonna uh, give away Aaron Nola. It's gonna take so much to get rid of. They'll, they'd ask for Dominguez for Aaron Nola. No, and I wouldn't do that because I don't. No, I like Nola, but I don't necessarily. I like him. I don't necessarily no. The dog knows the delivery guys outside. So, uh, actually, we have one more, so let's just read it real quick. Uh, would I take Zach Wheeler and put him in the four spot, three, four spot? I would, but not at his salary and not, yeah. not at what the Phillies are probably going to ask for. So, if the Phillies want to pay a third to a half of his salary and and not kill the Yankees on prospects, would I look into it? I would because I think he's got good stuff. He's just never been overly consistent. Um. But I mean, I mean, if you look at the Yankees' rotation, I mean, really, you can. There's a lot of question marks out there behind Garrett Cole. So yeah, you know, Zach Wheeler would definitely be an upgrade. So, but I just think he's going to be too expensive, both in money and um, prospects. Uh, and finally, Yankee guy 1998 says Joel Sherman basically saying if Yankees. Reese and he spelled it resigns. <laughs> resigns Lemayu. They won't have money for anything else. What he said was, is the Yankees uh, need to know what it's going to cost them to sign Lemayu and or know if Lemayu is going to come back to really understand what their budget is going to be for 2021. That's kind of what he said, and he said little else. I think was the term that he used. But I also keep hearing that the Yankees know that they need to sign Lemayu and improve the starting rotation. So, I mean, I look, I think that's, I think that it's still a possibility to do both because if you, I looked up their their payroll and it looks like you correct me if I'm wrong and you know this. It looks like they have around if they want it because it seems like they might want to stick under that two hundred ten million dollar luxury yeah. tax. Yeah. So it seems like they have around, give or take a few million, $40 million to spend this offseason. Um, and if that's a lot the case, of, yeah, but yeah. the only difference that, uh, this is, uh, what do you call it? Um, what was I saying? Some of those figures that you see of what the Yankees actually have, some of them don't include. Uh, projected raises, some of the arbitration right, guys. and that's why I'm saying give or take because the arbitration raise you should, you know, some guys will probably get a million to three million dollar uh, raise, but it, it really doesn't usually go. It's not too high of an uptick, and I really don't expect it to be too high of an uptick for some of these guys like Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge. I don't see them making that much more money through arbitration this season. They will, they will see a raise. I don't think it'll be enough. So, all right, let's say it's $10 million. So let's say they have $30 million to spend this offseason. And LeMayu is going to cost most of that, $20 20. million. So that means you'd have $10 million to um, fill out the rest. And I think you – I, it's tough, man. It's tough. You, you'd have to probably bring back Tanaka and then maybe one other arm. See, that's why, man, I wish, I wish they could somehow find a way – to trade Adam Adovino and eat half of his salary and, and take on 4 million, give 4 million to someone else. So you have an additional $4 million that you can then use to, to bolster this roster because that guy is just, he's, he's taken up space and, and money that they just seemingly apparently don't have or don't want to spend. 
Well, there's an interesting name that hit the uh, the uh, free agent market, uh, and that's Archie Bradley. We know the Yankees have been on him the last couple of seasons trying to make trades. Uh, he's a free agent now after he was non-tendered by the Reds. He's coming off of a year where he had a 2.95 ERA with Arizona and Cincinnati. Looks like he got traded mid, uh, throughout the season here. Uh yeah, because he came up with Arizona and they traded him to Cincinnati. Uh, he's, he's a career. What's his career ERA? Career three nine one. The Yankees obviously like him. Um, he's a converted. He's started. You know, back in twenty sixteen, he started sixteen games, and then he's pretty much been a reliever since. Um, this is a guy that a lot of fans are clamoring for as well. I guess that I mean, he's an interesting name. That I think that these are the type of guys that are now yeah. hitting that Brian Cashman is going to, I guess, really invest time into looking. Excuse me, into looking at here. It's an interesting guy too because you look at his salary from last year and he made four point one million dollars. So you, I'll give him a million dollar raise this year. That's five million. The Yankees could could sign could sign him for a five six million dollar contract. Bring him in. Here's that's, another. That, that's definitely a I name mean, worth looking into. I mean, from the pitching guys, I, I guess he's the most attractive. I didn't really see anybody starting wise that really stands out to I me that was four. not tendered. Pit, starting pitchers. Uh-huh. You do? Oh no, no, that were no, that were non-tendered. I'm just saying no, and they weren't starting pitchers. Actually, I do have. Uh, I have three starting pitchers, but yeah, I don't think they were non-tendered. Uh, let me get to Kyle Schwarber here. Uh, yeah, I see absolutely no way. I know Brian Cashman's liked him in the past and apparently has tried to acquire him, but I just cannot see this guy as a Yankee, especially with John Carl Stan no. here. No, he's first of all he's listed as a left fielder and a catcher. I don't think he's good at either, to be honest with you. Uh, you you want to talk and <laughs> guys want to run Gary Sanchez out of town. This is uh, this is Schwarber from last year, one eighty eight batting average, eleven home runs. Who does that sound like? Yep. I think he had a decent <laughs> war. I oh, know he had a negative negative war. One, uh, one seven. Yeah, no, that's that's somebody you bring in to fill the Mike Ford. I, I would say he'd be a backup first baseman. I thought he was a first baseman. He might have. He's like listed he, as a left fielder and a catcher. Too. No, but but I think that's gonna just cost you two if they're spending any more than six million dollars on Kyle Schwarber, then you're then that's just not you're not heading in the wrong the right direction. You're just getting a typical Yankee that's going to do the same exact things that have cost this team uh, a decade's worth of not winning a World Series. I just don't see it, man. Like Nah, nah, you know what? I'm I'm so against going out and signing Kyle Schwarber because he's gonna cost you he made seven million last year, I believe. He's gonna he's gonna cost you way too much. It's not worth it. I just stick just stick, if you're if that's your option, just stick with Mike Ford at that point. And the other guy out there, and we have talked about this already, but in case we didn't, is Eddie Rosario. Yeah, that's another on. guy I'm looking up. But again, and I got into an, uh, a conversation about this. They that he's listed as a left fielder. He's played over 500 games in his career as a left fielder, and I think maybe. 60 and right and 60 in in center just to round up round off the numbers. So he doesn't really profile as a right fielder or center fielder. He's another left fielder. 
And again, what are we doing? If you're looking at Eddie Rosario, which fine, I don't have a problem with that. He's a good player. But what are we doing? And I get it. He's a left-handed bat. Schwarber's a left-handed bat. The Yankees need left-handed power. Switch hitter, I, right? Oh, no, he's you listed lefty. as a lefty. Yeah, now he's um, lefty. What are we doing with Clint Frazier? Is Clint Frazier now our fourth outfielder? Because I'm looking at Eddie Rosario's numbers here. He's not going to be a ro- he's not a rotation guy. I'm bringing in Eddie Rosario to to start. He's my left fielder, mm-hmm. for sure. So, and I get and every time people counter back when you talk about this is oh do you expect Hicks to be healthy? Do you expect Judge to be healthy? Not really, but I can't. How many starting type players am I bringing in? When especially when the Yankees are kind of you know telling you that they're a little tight in the wallet here. Yeah, no, it's it might, probably doesn't make sense for an Eddie Rosario. That's why, and people are going to hate this, Brett Gardner is the most likely outfield signing for the Yankees this year. <laughs> because I bet you the Yankees can convince Brett Gardner to come here and play for $3 bucks. And How they love $3 million. Yeah. And the Yankees love Brett Gardner. They love what he does in the clubhouse. They love that he plays hard. He's a, he's a, he's a Yankee. We, he can play center field even at what? How old is he going to be this year? 38. He can still play center field so he can back up Hicks. And then, you know, if you want to start Frazier and you you still get a little queasy about him late in the game defensively, you got Gardner right there. Man, it's just like I'm, kind of, I'm so I'm so sick of them running out these same the same strategy each year. Like I, I want an I want a, an improvement from Brett Gardner. I love Brett Gardner. He's one of my favorite Yankees. It's just he's going to be th- he's 37 going on 38. Let's 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 upgrade. Let's upgrade. Yeah, and again, I get it. I understand what you're saying. And if I could have my way, I would probably want to move on from Brett Gardner too. But again, you know, we got to put into context of what we're being told the Yankees are looking to do. And if they're looking to save money, I don't see how they're going to approach nine, $10 million to get Eddie Rosario or to get Kyle Schwarber to play a position where they got Clint Frazier. Who's making what, what's Clint Frazier going to make this year? Three quarters of a million dollars. I think just based on how these guys get paid. Yeah. Right. So you got Frazier there, who no, yeah, I mean, is a realistically key. that is that makes a lot of sense. And you know you're going to need a, a reliable fourth outfielder. And I mean, really, are you going to bring in somebody else that you from another organization to take that role to make two, three million bucks? Or are you going to bring back Brett Gardner, your guy that you want that you love in your clubhouse? Yeah, you'll bring back Brett Gardner. I know, I know, I know. We're not, we're all not in love with it, but I mean, if you. I think sometimes we have to look at things realistically and not yes. as uh, fans being crazy fans. I think we have to look at that realistically. And if you could tell me Brett Gardner is going to be a bench player, then yeah, I, I guess I'll take him. Ryan, how many I, I times I'm starting? How many times on this show do we always bring these types of things up, where we say I take CC Sabathia if he's my fifth starter. I'll take that piece of shit that started that came in after Davey Garcia in game two, if he's my fifth starter. Nice. And then what happens? They get bumped up because of injuries. Yep. 
So I will take Brett Gardner as my fourth <laughs> outfielder. He cannot be a starting player. Brett Gardner, can Brett Gardner play 100, 120 games this year? Yeah, he can, but I want to look at it and see that maybe he started 40 to 50 of them and maybe the other 40 to 50, 60, whatever, he came in as a defensive replacement or the Yankees were kicking somebody's ass and they they wanted to get Judge off his feet for a couple innings. That's what I want to see on Brett Gardner's baseball reference page at the end of the 2021 yeah, come on, Fred. Yeah, Fred. make it happen. I think we're a little too early for Fred's projections, so we'll maybe we'll check those. I think after. he's got some projections, but yeah, we'll check. We'll 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 look into those uh, maybe after the holidays. All right. But unless you got anything else you want to bring up, and we're gonna I'm gonna close the show with a poll that I ran because I think it's kind of fun to do uh, this close to the uh, winter meetings here, and that is. You don't have anything else you want to touch on, right? You want to go to well, the just just Kirk, my boy Kirk Caselli got non-tender, the guy I mentioned, so I'm keeping an eye out on him. Uh, other than that, let's go into the poll, babes. Yeah, just quickly on Casali though, like I think the Yankees are committed to the Higgy Sanchez tandem. I think that's just yeah, no, I. I... I, I would imagine that is the direction that they go in, but if they want to, you know, maybe spark a little bit with Gary Sanchez, give him some competition a little bit more than Kyle Gashioka, then look at Kirk Castelli or Yadier Molina as that backup role. But I isn't just wanted to call that out because he got untendered. I'm glad. Isn't it sad? Honestly, though, isn't it sad that Gary Sanchez honestly has to look at uh, Kyle Higashioka as legitimate competition. I know he has to. He got he benched for the guy. Yeah, he's he, they're competing. And um, I'm going to save this as a teaser for next week because um, Chris isn't here to run the board, and I wanted to react to the audio of it. We I heard what Andy Martino said earlier this week about. Uh, team's expectations for winning the world series and uh when chris is back next week hopefully um he'll we'll cut the audio and we'll react to it then so uh, a little teaser for next week i definitely want to i was gonna say i knew chris wasn't gonna be here and i was gonna transcribe it and read it but i didn't get around to it and i don't want to kind of go off the top of my head paraphrase it i want you in case you all missed it i want you all to also hear it either from me or the actual audio, word for word to see what this idiot had to say. Um, and, yeah, he's an idiot and uh, for many other reasons besides this. But how this guy has a fucking job anymore, I don't, I don't, I don't really know, but whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll close the show on this. We'll have a little nice discussion here. Since it is, we are on the eve of the winter meetings, and uh, hopefully the Yankees will be making some good maneuvers. What are Brian Cashman's worst moves as GM of the New York Yankees? Uh, since you only get four slots to run a poll, we came, I came up with the four what I believe are worst moves that Cashman has made as GM of the Yankees. And then I also asked for some Twitter comments, so we'll read a few on the show here. And, you know, you get the few couple smart asses that are like, oh, John Carl Stan. John Carl Stan is not even close to being on this list because right now we're just looking at, excuse me, players whose careers are done. So we can fully yes. evaluate the maneuver. 
you might not like Stanton. You might not like the deal. But if John Carl Stanton just getting started is just getting started, and if we go through the next two or three postseasons where John Carl Stanton again is the Yankees' best player in October, how are you going to call that one of Brian Cashman's worst maneuvers? So the book is still yet to be written on John Carl on John Carl Stanton, which I felt like I've said here before. So seems like we, seems like we do a lot of that whole uh, <laughs> repeating thing. Uh, so which one of these moves was the worst move Brian Cashman has made as Yankees GM? Kagawa came in at, uh, 8%. The second Javi Vasquez trade came in at 7%. The Carl Pavano signing came in at 13% in the overwhelming winner at 72% Jacoby Ellsbury. All right. So when I first looked at it, immediately I went to Ellsbury, okay? Immediately. Because I looked up their payroll. You know they're still paying him $5 million this year? Yeah, this is Jacoby this was Ellsbury. the buyout year, right? This was Jeez. the buyout year of his contract. You look so. Up, uh, so Kei Ogawa back in 2006 signed a five-year $20 million contract. So for a year, I mean, that was probably a bit higher uh, 10 years ago So or what, 15, around 15 years ago. So I, I get that being, you know, higher than my pick because that was 7%. But the Javier Vasquez trade at 6%, that is the true worst move because it all comes back to that famous phrase, right? Fool me once. What is it? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool, Fool me, me twice, twice, shame on me. Shame on me. Shame on you, Brian Cashman. You got fooled twice by Javier Vasquez. And you got burned. I, who, they ended up trading a pretty decent a guy who panned out a little bit, right? For Javier Vasquez that second time. Uh, let me look that up. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. But for me, that pick. Yeah, you look it um, up. It might have been one of those. Remember, remember those. The the they had a term for those relievers, the prospect relievers. I think it might have been that one guy. He didn't pan out, but now that I think about it, was it uh, Benuelos? Yeah, yeah Manny Benuelos. Let's see here. Let me I actually see. have I'm, it up I'm, right now. The Yankees actually got... <laughs> oh, Melky Cabrera? The, it might have been a different... That might have been a different trade. Uh, the Yankees got a couple of relief. But you know who else the Yankees got in that deal? The Nick Immortal. Johnson. The Immortal. The Everlasting Boone Logan also came over in that trade. Oh, God. So you look at that deal. Well, then look at this. I'm reading an article here. Um, so then, so then that year, yeah, they ended up going with, uh, Nick Johnson as their DH. So that move and what was, what surrounded that move has to be what you, you had on Boone Logan with it. I mean, what a terrible, terrible move, um, by Brian Cash in there. I mean, how much was the guy making too? Jesus. Because he what he let he left the Yankees he turned his he was look, traded he, he was traded to Arizona for Randy us. Johnson. So oh, wow. that, I mean you can even talk about that being a bad move yeah, on Cashman's part, but uh, the first year with Randy Johnson wasn't too bad, so I can't get too so worked yeah, just up over that. The the one player that he handled the worst his involvement with was for me it's it, but dude Ellsbury's so bad because of the money. Think of the amount of years that was. Well, I'm going to break it down like this. Uh, we're going to start. I'm going to go four through one, actually, on how I would rank them. And I would put um, 
Carl Pavano at number four. I mean, if you look at Pavano's numbers before he came to the Yankees, they're not great. I mean, 2000, he, had a, he, he was a rookie in 1998, came to the Yankees in 05. These are the years that he had under four ERA, 2000, 2004. <laughs> That's it. Jesus. Uh, along the way, he had a 5-6, he had a 6-3, he had a 5-1, he had a 6-3. So let me guess, the year he got traded to the Yankees or signed with the Yankees, he was coming off his by far his best season, like a James Paxton type. The lowest ERA of his career was the year before he signed with the Yankees. He had a 3-0 ERA with the with the Florida Marlins. Yeah. That, so classic cashman move. That is such a cashman move. I ranked that as four though, because uh I just I think there's just a lot of more there's a lot worse mm-hmm. shit going on with the other. I don't know why I couldn't think of the, the sometimes I'm on here and I'm talking so much that I can't think of the proper words that I want to use to describe oh, things. Yeah. But I think there's just this is just a signing. The guy was hurt. He wasn't that good to begin with and it didn't work out. I don't think it really hamstrung the Yankees in any way because you know he probably I think he he got he got a decent amount of money. I don't think it was anything that really killed him. It was just him not being productive. He made let's see in in 2005 he made 17 starts, didn't pitch in 06. 2007 he made two starts. 2008 he made nine starts, and then uh, 2009 he went on to Cleveland and Minnesota. And the fucked up part about him is that if you remember, he pitched Game Three Opening of the division day. series uh, against the Yankees. Uh, and he pitched really well. I think the Yankees won that game one nothing on an A-Rod home run. Oh, shit. I, I thought you were going to bring up that he pitched the first game at Yankee at the new Yankee Stadium against CC Sabathia and absolutely mm-hmm. destroyed the Yankees. That was so, a four-year four year $39.95 million contract. So, yeah, it really wasn't too outlandish. All right. At number three, Jacoby Ellsbury. Three. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you why. Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, from 07 to 2013 with the Red Sox, uh, played 150 games twice, hurt a lot, which no surprise there, uh, had really, I mean, if you look at his, he had one stellar season, 2011, where he uh he had 321, 32 home runs, and 105 RBIs. Uh, other than that, I mean, if you look at his numbers, man, three home runs, nine home runs, eight What's home runs, his, zero. Um, and then after the, yeah. the 32 home runs, season, the four, year right nine. before he came to the Yankees? No, that was 11. The Yankees signed him in 14. Uh, okay, okay. Oh, I sure. mean, he, he had some really big stolen base years, you know. Was he a consistent 300 hitter? No. Was he a 400 on base percentage guy? No. So I don't know exactly what the Yankees were looking at with Jacoby Ellsbury, other than the fact that that was the same offseason that Robinson Cano left for Seattle. So the Yankees had that money burning a hole in their pocket. And they spent it on Jacoby Ellsbury. So now, Seven now you years, take his- $153 million which is almost to the penny what they were comfortable offering Robinson Cano, which in another 
life, you know, another timeline could have been on this list, considering how things have panned out for Robinson Cano since he left the Yankees. Yeah. Um, but Jacoby Ellsbury at number three, because then if you want to talk about how the Yankees kind of were hamstrung with doing things, his money the last few years being on the books has kept the Yankees from maybe going after a few different players. Yeah, that $5 million, right, dude? That's that's big for this luxury tax. That that could get you a guy. And then at number two is Keigawa. Keigawa is by far the ugliest pitcher that the Yankees have ever had, number one. This dude's ugly. Yeah. All right. In 2007, Keigawa, in 12 starts, 14 games, 6.25 ERA. In 2008, in one start, two games, 13.5 ERA for a grand total. If this is not the most fucking ironic thing ever, a career 6.66 ERA. <laughs> the guy Jeez. threw a total of 71.2 innings for the Yankees. And how he commanded what, – what was his contract, Ryan? Can you look that well, up? Well, here – because I, I mentioned that they didn't have to spend too much on him, right? Because it was five years, $20 million, so four a year. But this, this is what really makes this one of the worst contracts by Cashman. They had to pay twenty a $26 million posting fee just to negotiate a contract with this guy. So it was $26 million plus $20 million, So this guy cost him $46 million. Okay. So not only <laughs> is the performance so bad that it deserves – place at number two on this list but again we talked about Ellsbury being signed as a reaction to losing Cano this was a reaction to the Yankees losing Dice K Matsuzaka to the Red Sox right and and this takes me back to something that I hate that fans say it's I mean if I ever sat down and listed my top five Yankee fan pet peeves that I see on social media. If this isn't number one, it's definitely number two. If George were alive, if George were alive, George Steinbrunner died over 10 years ago. Okay. And I brought this up earlier this week because I seen tweets because the Yankees were, we were seeing reports. The Yankees like Brantley. The Yankees have been in contact with Brantley, but they're not going to sign Brantley and LeMayu. And people were like, well, if George were alive, mm-hmm. we could get both. If George were alive. The guy's been dead for over a decade, okay? Can we, A, let the man fucking rest in peace, please? If George were alive. If you don't like the way Hal runs the team, that's fine. But why do you keep having to bring up if George were alive? And then I tweeted that, and people were like, well, we'll keep saying it until Hal sells the team. So if Hal sells the team, never. And I, I have to hear this when I'm fucking 70, if George were alive. So for 50 years, we have to keep hearing if George were alive, when there's not even particles of him left in that fucking coffin that he's in right now. Give it a rest. And then if George were alive, we might have Keigawa on this team. Because if yeah. George were alive, George was alive, and this was a pure reactionary George move to steal the spotlight of bringing in a Japanese pitcher over to the Yankees because they lost out on one that the Red Sox got. This was a George move. 
but it goes on Brian Cashman's record because he was the GM. So if George were alive, not every we love George Steinbrenner. Don't get me wrong, but not everything George Steinbrenner did was great. If George were alive, we might not have Aaron fucking Judge because he tried to trade Mariano Rivera for a backup shortstop because he didn't trust Derek Jeter. You what do you hate more? You, you think? Do you hate? Do you hate if George were alive more or resign versus resigns? Resign. It's tough. I, I don't know. I, you can't put me on the spot like that with that one. <laughs> you gotta give it thought. You gotta give that one thought. But you can't give me the if George were alive line for the way Hal runs a team and the way the Yankees spend money now, and not look at how batshit crazy he was at times. Mm-hmm. We we really don't know if the Yankees would have ever had this great glory period in the late 90s that they had if George didn't get suspended by Major League Baseball where he wasn't allowed to have interaction and run the team. And Stick Michael really took uh, control of the organization and gained the bigger voice and didn't allow him to trade Derek Jeter and didn't allow him to trade Mariano Rivera. Mm-hmm. Where George was alive is that now George had the money to keep these guys. You know, that's where, uh, that's where you you win with George. But yeah, I this this was a this was something that George did because he he couldn't handle the Red Sox with the fucking Masazaka move, so he brought in K Gawa. And Brian Cashman had to want to give himself a swirly and diarrhea-covered toilet bowl when this was going on because I think even he had to know how terrible this was. But yeah. it, it hangs, it, it hangs for him for uh, for his second worst move as GM and number one is the second Javi Vasquez trade because you did it once, you can't do it again, you can't do it again. I'm sorry. That's why people people are like, oh. Um, Sonny Gray's on the block. Believe it or not, the Reds want to trade Sonny Gray, which I don't know why because he's on a great contract and he pitches really well for them, but they want to move him because they're the fucking Reds. And he want to see, this is another thing that I hate is that the fans are like, the Yankees are cheap. Go be a Reds fan where you have a guy like Sonny Gray who pitches like a 1B to a legit number two for you on a $10 million a year contract that you can't afford to keep him. That's called being cheap. Yes. Look at Kirk Casale on the Reds. They they tendered him because they didn't want to pay him like $2 million. Not having a $35 million a year ace, that's not being cheap. Having no. Sonny Gray on your team when you're the Reds, paying him $10 bucks a year and wanting to trade him because you can't afford to keep him, that's being cheap. Big difference there. Dude, so, Sonny Gray, Sonny Gray coming back to this team would just be a Javi, Javi Vasquez. That, and yes, yes, thank you. That's all I wanted to say about that because people are like, "Oh, Larry's gone." I don't fucking mm. care that Larry is gone. You, you've been here, done now with Sonny Gray, especially after what Brian Cashman said to him on the way out the door, where it was like pushing a boulder up a hill, and the boulder comes back down the hill and crushes you. Guess, guess which two two seasons were Javier Vasquez's best years in his major oh. league career. 
Let me the guess. Two, the both seasons years. that he got right before he got traded to the Yankees. <laughs> yep. He went 13 and 12 for the Montreal Expos in 2003, posted a 3.24 earned run average. That was his second lowest ERA of his career. The lowest, a 2.87 ERA in 2009 when he went 15 and 10 for the Braves the year before he was traded for a second time to the Yankees. Brian Cashman move. All right, we'll read just three quick here, uh, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, we'll go with my boy Mike Scudero. You know, I I don't know why I've been doing this a lot lately. I like the I like the kid. We talk a lot on Twitter. He's a good kid. After you're done listening to the show, and only after you have no more NYYST podcast shows to listen to, if you need more Yankee content, go check out his pod, the Yapping Yankees podcast. It's on iTunes, but remember, this is the best and only podcast you should listen to. And if you have a few extra minutes, then you can listen yeah. to his. Uh, he goes on to say, Ellsbury, both with on-field results and the duration of contract, uh, or lack thereof, should I say, how it killed the payroll for so many years when money has become, when money has, could have gone elsewhere, which is, I think, pretty much what we said. Um, our boy Glock. 21 underscore says I went Vasquez because we knew what we had the first time around. And when he came back, he wasn't all that solid to begin with. So yes, again, you did it once and you did it again. This again, I I hate the cheating girlfriend analogy, but it's like Brian Cashman Mm -hmm. went out with a girl, fell in love with her. They went out. He comes home, sees her banging another dude. They break up two or three years later finds out that she's been with the, the same guy for three years, never cheated on him. And then they become single, just didn't work out wherever she, you know, with the dude that she was working with or, you know, going out with and says, Hey, you know, she, maybe it was just a phase she was going through. Maybe it'll work out with us this time. Yeah. Maybe she's changed. Start dates her again. And then in six months comes home and she's banging a dude in your bed. That's exactly what happened with Javi Vasquez. So, no, I want absolutely no part of Sonny Gray again, and it's a part of the reason why I really don't want anything to do with Lance Lynn either. We were there already. Exactly. And I understand yep. Lance Lynn is a completely different pitcher now than he was in his brief stint with the Yankees, but I, I, I just hesitate when we have bad results with a guy the first time to bring him back here. You know, I just I don't – give me something else at that point. You know, it's not like if – and I'll say that it's not like if we brought back – Didi this year. Didi was great here. So it took a year right. away and brought him back. I would be okay with that. It's not It's not like Didi Gloria sucked when he was a Yankee. They're no, not going to try he it again. Here. Right. Uh, all right. Let's see. Uh, let's come up with one more here. Let's see somebody that we like. Yeah. Uh, we like. At the pocket geek, I just like his his handle there. He says the Ellsbury move didn't pan out, but how are so many fans excusing trading for Vasquez a second time? It might be too ahead of um, some people's time, to be honest. That's a while ago now. Yeah, and I think isn't isn't Ellsbury the most recent? Yeah, it's recency bias because I think if you yeah. really sat down and thought about it and broke it down. There's no way that you can come up with anything other than Javi Vasquez. And there's certainly no way that you can even put Ellsbury higher than third when the fucking disaster 
that K. Gawa did and the reason why the Yankees brought him here. Yeah, I mean, like... With, but if George were Ells, alive... But if George were alive... With with Ellsbury, you could say financially that was Cashman's wor- worst move because, what, he only ended up playing four years. But in terms of, like, being a general manager and going out and getting a, you know, an actual contributing player, like... Javier Vasquez is the move because you had the player. It wasn't it wasn't unforeseen circumstances with why Javier Vasquez didn't work out. It was because he sucked. With Ellsbury, <laughs> it was you took a chance on him, you paid him a shit ton of money, and he unfortunately his body couldn't keep up with it. So it's just it, there's there's a difference there. But I mean Javier Vasquez, man, Javier Vasquez. Honorable mention though, but I I'd excuse him just because they won a World Series with him in 09, and that would be A.J. Burnett, right? But he won a ring, so. And he had a big yeah, World I Series mean, game. I looked. Up, I was looking at his numbers. I think I... 2009, really, and even though it, he was wildly inconsistent, hated him and Jorge Posada hated each other, yeah. and the Yankees couldn't wait to get him out of here, I think, in year three, and they ended up trading him before the contract was up. Um but you I look at game two of the World Series, they won the game three to one. He pitched seven innings, allowed one earned run. So, right. I mean, he, so, he, I mean, he pitched game five, he allowed six earned runs, and they and lost that, that was, game. And but, that was the story. That was the story of AJ Burnett. But, yes. And that's what I go on to say about John Carl Stanton. I literally do not care if this guy plays 18 games in a regular season. If he's going to produce like he produced in the postseason this year, that's all that matters to me. Right. Now, yeah, because again, all of those guys that you mentioned on the poll, they all have one thing in common, right? They're losers. They didn't. Yeah, they're losers. They didn't win a World Series here. Here, yeah. Uh, Ellsbury's got a ring from yeah, Boston. Here, here, you here. might have two of them. I think. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <clears throat> so good show today, Ryan. Very, yeah, man. I I like it. We should probably just kick Chris out, right? I mean, seriously. I mean, we didn't get any updates during the show. I don't know. He could still be waiting. What if ET does take him? We might have to just do the show on our own. Dude, I'm fine with that. It's just the only thing we're missing with Chris is his sick graphics. He he, he knows what he's doing with the Chris does a hell of a job the uh, producing the nah, show. Yeah, so. he's he's the man. Again, this is this is why we say use our code for Manscaped. This way we can hire an actual producer and Chris can mm-hmm. just focus in on being more of a on air talent. Yeah. Um, I just want to say this as a, uh, as we're going off the air here. Anybody that has any outstanding orders on the NYYST uh, shop, please direct message us um, at NYY Sports Talk. Somebody reached out to me earlier this year. We're having major, major issues still with our, with our uh, manufacturer due to COVID. Um, we started actually, we wanted to do it for Black Friday and we wanted to do it for Cyber Monday. Uh, we started with the designs on the, on the Sterling shirts, but we decided we're just going to hold off until all the issues are resolved because what's the point of getting orders on them if we can't ship them out. So uh, if you are still waiting for something from us, just direct message us. Uh, Please don't tweet or, you know, comment on another tweet, just direct message us. It's the, honestly, it's the most respectful way to do it. And it's the easiest way for us to, uh, handle your situation so please go ahead and do that um also just follow us on twitter at nyy sports talk as we're going to start getting some news this week you know we'll post it on that site follow at stack guy ryan underscore nyyst follow chris at et come get me uh <laughs> at chris jr underscore nyyst follow me 
at Christian underscore NYYST. And we got, hopefully we got some big news breaking during the course of the week. Hopefully one of those things is that DJ LeMay will be back in the Bronx. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll just wait and see as we inch closer to Christmas. We'll, uh, something down. should happen though by next week. I think there'll, there'll, there's going to be some moves that go down at these winter meetings and we'll have something to report back for next week. So, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll try to have some fun, you know, hopefully, uh, a lot of the moving shaking will be done before Christmas or know that we'll be past the holidays. So we can have kind of a, I kind of want to have a little lighthearted fun segment or show going into the holidays, but that all depends on what happens leading up to then. If we're still waiting for a lot of big moves to happen, mm-hmm. I mean, but again, I, I just hate talking about the same bullshit over and over again. So hopefully we have some stuff to actually break down and talk about next week, uh, including uh, Mr. Martino's really ridiculously stupid comments about uh, yeah, how teams ridiculous. should proceed. So Yeah, ho- thank- hopefully this offseason is, sorry, Christian, is more like last year as opposed to two years ago with Machado, how it just really dragged on. Let's let's yeah, let's get the Harper ball rolling. Signed, what, during spring training? I mean, yeah, yeah, dude, let's let's have a nice, I think it'll be a nice paced uh, offseason. So this week will be will be good for Yankee fans. Let's hope. All right. So uh, thank you for listening. To episode 205 of the NYYST podcast. Stat guy, Rye. Go Yanks. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.